Welcome to Wolfpack Career Chats from NC State University's Career Development Center, the only podcast dedicated to providing NC State students with current, relevant, and thought-provoking ideas that will challenge you to think about your future. Whether you want to know more about what hiring managers are really thinking, or you just need to hear an honest and encouraging story about overcoming obstacles to reach your goals, we've got you covered. Wolfpack Career Chats is just one of the many services we provide. Whether it's career fairs, on-campus interviews, co-op opportunities, or more, we are here for the pack. Hello, this is Marcy Bullock with Wolfpack Career Chats, and today I have Amy Woff. Amy, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much, Marcy. Happy to be talking to you. So excited that we get a chance to hear about your success story, Amy, because we've known each other for a few years from the time when you were an undergrad um, at UNC Chapel Hill, and we're going to just make you an honorary Wolfpack today. Fair enough? <laughs> I'll take it. I, I feel like I have to stick to being a Tar Heel, but for the next hour, I'll, I'll take it for now. 100%. Good, good deal. So, Amy, go ahead and share with our listeners a little bit about your journey from making your decision to what you wanted to study in college to a career goal and then your transition to the workforce. Walk us through that. Yeah, so I, I really started college with, with no idea what I wanted to study. Um, one of the reasons I was attracted to coming over to the U.S. to study is because of that, the, uh, the liberal arts education and the ability to you know, take a little bit of everything. And that's not something that you can do back in the UK. Um, and so I really didn't know. And I continued to not know for uh, probably two years, maybe even two and a half. Um, I ultimately decided on my major, which is peace, war and defense, um, really because it allowed me to continue to take a lot of different disciplines. Um, and so, you know, what was initially attractive to me about coming to the US, uh, you know, kept me on the path and towards my major and I continued to take classes in loads of different departments all the way through my senior year. Um, I think that that, that worked out for me. Um, I know other people I was with had more focused interests and so it made sense that they would take majors that were a little bit more streamlined, but I just wanted to learn about everything. And so I was trying to get as much knowledge as I could about the world um, and, and so a major based off of that. Um, in terms of transitioning to the workforce, I had, uh, I've had kind of an interesting path since I graduated. So I graduated in 2017 and had a opportunity to move to New Orleans and work um, with a capital defense organization down there. So, you know, straight into some pretty heavy um, work and in the criminal justice world, which is completely different to what I'm doing now working at Major League Soccer. Um, but I, I always say that you never really know what's going to come your way and you never know what's going to work for you at a certain time. Um, but really, I think that partly my my decision to learn a little bit of everything uh, at UNC enabled me to make some you know pretty severe transitions even in the first couple of years of uh, my life since graduation. 
your life has been so interesting. So going from this criminal justice focused career after, like you said, not really having a direction per se, but wanting to learn a lot. Um, some people say a jack of all trades and a master of none, but I don't believe that because <laughs> that gave you so many possibilities. And then from criminal justice to major league soccer. So did you have any idea? I teach a lot of students who are just coming in. They don't know what to study. They have no long-term goal. Did you have an idea you'd be where you are now? No, not at all. I didn't, I didn't even think about working in football until, like, you know, I was applying for the job, basically. Um, I, I always played the game and loved the game as a fan, but I'd never really considered it kind of an opportunity to work in the game. I just, I thought, you know, if you're not a player or you're not a coach, then what else is there but there's a whole world that to do with the game that, that's not on the field and so I really had no idea that I would end up working in football especially in the U.S. you know for me football is something that ties me back home a lot and so definitely couldn't predict that, that I'd be doing this. That's that's reassuring because I think sometimes in college people feel like they, they just have to have a plan and they have to know exactly how their major is going to give them a box of jobs. And so your major may be similar to something like maybe a political science or any other liberal arts major we have here. How valuable do you think liberal arts will be in the job market compared to a STEM major or a business major? You know, I think that there's obviously different types of value depending on what major you do. What what I found with with what I took, which you're right, Marcy, it's similar to a you know a political science or an international relations or something like that or anthropology. And I, I took classes in all of those departments, you know, throughout my four years. I think that it just teaches you how to think about complex issues in the world, and that is always going to be valuable regardless of what world you go into after graduation. Um, and so I think that's you know, one part I took from, from being a peace, war and defense major and from being at college is, you know, learning anything, it's not a waste. Even if it, it feels slightly frivolous compared to somebody who's, you know, pre-med and has a very strict, um, you know, set of knowledge that they need in order to get to a very set point in their career. Um, I always think that if you're learning, then it's benefiting you as a person and it's benefiting you as a potential candidate for any job you might have. I don't think there's anything, um, I don't think there's any such thing as, as unuseful knowledge or unuseful skills, really. Yeah, and, and I think sometimes people will compare themselves, like you said, to the pre-med major or, you know, the student who has everything figured out, but everyone's on their own journey, and sometimes you have to trust the process and be open to possibilities, so this transition that you made, I, I want to hear, I have so many questions, I want to hear about the New Orleans to New York, to New York City, um, kind of south versus north, but before that, I kind of want to get into what the motivation was for you to switch from criminal justice and how the opportunity came about. Because I think a lot of times people don't know what job search techniques to employ. Yeah, so the switch happened for a, a number of reasons. I think, um, I mean, I'd be lying if first and foremost, it wasn't largely financial. Um, I was a volunteer for the first few months that I was in New Orleans and I wasn't making any money. Um, and then I, I picked up another job that was, um, you know, paying some of the bills, but I, it wasn't a sustainable financial situation for me to be in. And I knew that when I was taking that opportunity, but after a year, um, 
you know, it was it was time for me to get a job that was going to enable me to have a little bit more stability, um, whether that was in New Orleans or New York. Um, so one of the, the key points why I transitioned um, was to, to get a salary that could support the life that I wanted to have. Um, and are you glad think, that you did the, the volunteer to start off with? Do you recommend oh, that to people? Yeah. Definitely. I mean, I was very lucky to come out of, of university without debt owing to the scholarship that I had. And I think that that is a privilege that many people do not have and I don't take for granted. But if you do have the opportunity to, uh, you know, to do something that might not support you financially, um, you know, just out of the money you're earning from that opportunity. If you think that it's right for you, then I would do it. I, I don't regret at all working unpaid for those months. Um, you know, as I said, I was in a position that I could do that. Um, but I, I still learned a ton. And in a way, you actually, uh, I didn't realize, you know, exactly what I wanted from a salary and what I wanted from feeling valued at a job. And um, I learned all of that from, you know, those first few months and thinking, oh, you know, if I'm working overtime, you know, how, how do I want to be valued, whether that's financially or even just, um, you know, looking at what your career path is. And the, the position I had in New Orleans, there wasn't room for, you know, moving up the, the ladder. There was, you know, simply I was helping um, investigators do their job. And so I learned so much from doing that and I, I don't regret it at all. And I'd recommend doing something regardless of what the pay is, if it's you know, something that you really care about. Um, and that was what it was for me is that I, I really cared about doing that work and nothing was going to stop me going and doing that, even though it was, you know, not sustainable in the long term. Yeah, it, could, it was like a chapter for you where you were really making a big difference doing something meaningful. And actually in episode 17 of Wolfpack Career Chats, we have Paul Nolan talking about a year of service. And he was literally living on the poverty level during this year, but for him, it was the best thing he ever did. So I'm encouraging our listeners to take a look at that episode. If they're thinking about doing something where they want to give back, and I know a lot of people, millennials, your generation want to do that. And, and so then you transition, you got, how did this new opportunity pop up for you to now like make some money and move to another city? Yeah, so um, I am a massive proponent of, of applying for jobs, even if they don't exist. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I send resumes and emails. Uh, I did this all through my four years at college, and it's actually what got me to, to Major League Soccer was I basically just kept sending a resume. I was like, <laughs> you know, I was like, here, this is me. Here's, here's an updated resume. If there's anything that comes up, let me know. And I actually did that for a while, um, you know, about a year and a half, I think, once I realized, right, I, you know, I'd be interested in working in football. Um, there wasn't a job posted on the website that I felt that I was qualified for or that I wanted. Um, and so I just, I just emailed, you know, blindly and said, if there's anything that comes up, I'd be really interested. And um, eventually I got a phone call saying, oh, hi, there's actually a job now that might, you know, might suit your resume. Uh, would you be interested in applying? And of course, I said yes. So um, I would, I would definitely recommend to anyone in college to basically just you can send your resume out. You don't lose anything from even just you know an info email. Sending a resume out there, getting your name in the mix, is something that I swear by. Whoa. So you didn't have any connections. This was I am going to get a job at a major athletic league. And someone just found your resume after out of the hundreds that were there. So I, I 
so MLS works very closely with a company called Sock United Marketing. Um, and so I had met a UNC alum who worked for SUM, some Sock United Marketing, and had a coffee my sophomore year. And mm-hmm. it was it was it wasn't a professional conversation. It was just a chat. It wasn't trying to lead to an internship. It wasn't you know, looking at post-graduation, it was just, we had obviously some interest aligning. We were in the same city and we grabbed the coffee. Um, and from there I realized, oh, wow, you know, I didn't think you could work in football and, and the marketing side of it didn't interest me. Um, but it was at that point that I, I kind of started to think about, about football as a career path. And I, the first time I sent in a, uh, a kind of cold resume, um, it was to somebody in the HR department who then called me up just to, you know, hear some information and ask me if, you know, basically, are you applying for a job? I'm confused why you sent me this. And so <laughs> I did explain to them, I was like, you know, there's nothing out there right now that I'm specifically applying to, but uh, I just wanted to make sure that you, you know, that I'm interested. Um, and so I had that relationship with an individual in the HR group, um, you know, over the course of that year and a half or so of me sending an updated resume every for six months um, and so when I did get the call it was you know it wasn't the first time that I'd spoken to somebody at the company um, but it was the first time that there was uh, you know a potential of a job opening the other few times that I've been in touch it was really just me saying I love football please keep my resume on file um, and it, it paid off in the long run. Yeah, because this idea of doing that coffee chat is is important. You, like you said, you didn't have any ulterior motive. You were just learning. You were building a relationship. And that persistence that followed, then maybe that connection kind of helped you to realize that, you know, there was a possibility. So I'm really proud of you for doing that. And what do you recommend to people who are wanting to reach out? to someone. I guess I want to ask you this, like if someone randomly reached out to you and said, Ooh, Mm -hmm. I found you on LinkedIn. You're the senior coordinator of competition at major soccer league. I love soccer. Could I have coffee with you? Would you do Mm -hmm. it? Yeah, definitely. I don't think that, uh, you know, especially people I know at MLS or, you know, other friends or ex-colleagues I know, I'd you don't lose anything from giving somebody half an hour of your time and a coffee. And I just think of back to when I was a student and I had a number of these interactions and, you know, most of them lead to nothing other than a cappuccino, but it (laughs) it really, it really is something that as a student, you have this license to, to seek knowledge from, from, you know, your peers or your elders. And, and once you're in the working world, it's a little bit more difficult to do that. I think that being a student gives you a slightly different aura of just trying to seek knowledge and information. And so if I ever had, and I've had a, a number of, of students reach out to me, I've had a few phone calls in the past few months um, with people at UNC who have, you know, seen that I work in the game. And I'd, yeah, I'd always be, be willing to give, you know, give people my time, whether my, uh, my time will be particularly useful for them. That's a different question, but um, I, you know, I think that it's really important to give back to, to students the way that when I was a student, lots of people gave me 20 minutes, half an hour to just ask fairly basic, but 
uh, important questions. And I think most people are willing to do that. And that fear of rejection holds people back. But this, uh, this statement that you just made about the license to seek knowledge, that's the only time they'll have it. And so I think as long as the approach is not, do you have an opening, but more like you did in that first conversation, it was almost building a foundation with someone. And then when the opening came about, you weren't just a random person in cyberspace. Right. Right. You never know when just simply somebody recognizing your email address is going to be the difference between them looking at your resume or not. Um, and so I think just putting yourself out there and I think rejection is a very scary thing, but I always think of it as what on earth am I going to lose by sending an email? You know, they're never going to come back to you and say, we're not giving you the job because you sent off your resume. <laughs> you know, so, so I think yeah. that that was always my mindset. Yeah, that's so important. And in episode 34, we talk about the five W's of informational interviews. And it's really a great follow-up to this episode for people that may be uncertain about how to approach someone and what to say and making that LinkedIn con connection. And your persistence has definitely paid off. So, all right, geographical changes. So you're from England. You've lived in New Orleans and Chapel Hill in New York City. So is your location important to you? And tell us about some of the contrasts and why you are where you are now. Yeah, I think location is really important to me. I, um, I want to be in a city that I want to be in. Yeah, that sounds very simple. But I, you know, when I was in my senior year at Chapel Hill, I, I really wanted to live in New Orleans. That was, that was high on my list. And that was partly because it was a place that I had been really interested in as a student I'd had some opportunities to travel there to do uh, research um, and projects in the city when I was an undergrad but it and it's also a place where criminal justice is a particularly fascinating um, kind of world to be in this incredibly you know or seemingly incredibly liberal bubble in the deep south um, you know New Orleans is, is a very unique place and the criminal justice and the death penalty um, work that's done there is is slightly different from anywhere else in the country and so it was partly that I loved the city and partly because it was uh, a place that that you know married well with what with the work I wanted to do um, and I loved New Orleans I, I constantly miss New Orleans and uh, I actually am going to be heading back for a friend's wedding uh, this year when I'm really excited I haven't been back for a while now so um that was an important important thing for me coming out of college is, is being in a place that I wanted to be. Um, that being said, I'm, I'm a big city girl. I grew up in London. New Orleans felt very small. Chapel Hill felt too small. And so I had to move to, to the big bad city of New York. Um, but again, it was, it was focused because the job I wanted was here. Um, but also, I, you know, I probably wouldn't have pushed for the job at Major League Soccer if they'd been based elsewhere. I really, I wanted to be in New York. Um, and so, you know, luckily for me, those two, those two aligned. But it's uh, being, being from far away and all of my family being back in the UK, I need to always make sure that I'm, if I'm not going to be near my family, I want to be in a place that is worth it. And New York is worth it for me. Um, there are other places in the U.S. that I, I maybe wouldn't want to live because I would feel that, right, I, you know, I'd prefer to be in London and being in a certain city isn't, isn't worth it for me to be so far away from my family. But right now, and it has been since I've been in New York and 
um, probably staying for the next couple of years at least. Um, New York is a place that's worth it. It's worth being away from home. Uh, it's worth dealing with the hustle and bustle of city life. But um, I, I think location is actually, if not number one, then number two on my priorities list when I'm thinking about where I want to spend significant chunks of my time. Yeah, this is interesting because a couple things I heard you say about your values were when you were in your previous job, you weren't moving up. So clearly you're ambitious and you wanted the opportunity to advance. And then location is a really huge value. So I think what is important is that listeners can take from this that you have to prioritize your values and know maybe what your non-negotiables are and what are the things that you might be able to bend a little bit on. So are there some, yeah, so are there some things that maybe you um, are putting up with that aren't ideal in your current situation or have you been able to tick all the boxes of what is the ideal situation? Yeah, I mean, there's, I mean, the biggest one for me is that I'm I'm not at home and home for me, I haven't been home, you know, since I moved to UNC. And so I am putting up with the fact that I'm not in England. I'm not in London. I'm, I see my dad, you know, two, maybe three times a year. Um, and so New York definitely isn't ideal on that side. Um, you know, it's similarly with childhood friends or, you know, anyone I have back in the UK, it's, it would be far easier to, to be in London and see those people constantly. However, um, I, I value, you know, the opportunities that I have and, and New York is the place that I need to be right now. It might not always be the place that I need to be. Um, but as I said before, it's currently the, the balance is such that it's worth me being here, um, for the job that I have, for the people that are with me in this city. So the fact that New York is an amazing city outside of, you know, my office life, it's, it's New York City there's everything and anything you could want 24-7 and so um, you know I think I do put up with things that aren't ideal but I don't think that there's ever a place to be that is ideal especially you know you have friends that live all over the world and family in different places and you know a, a job can feel tedious but you stick with it because you're you know, your partner or your friend friendship group is in that city and you'd prefer to stick with them I think that as you said, there may be some non-negotiable factors of where you are, and but those might change. So for me, I, you know, right now, my non-negotiables are that I'm in a job that I'm enjoying and I'm feeling that there's room for growth and success. But maybe in two years, that might all of a sudden not be true and, and my non-negotiables might shift and I might think, you know, I actually, I really, really want to be back in the UK. Um, and then I'll adapt to that feeling. But as I said, for now, it's uh, it's about dealing with the you know the many things that are ideal about New York, and they go hand in hand with a with a couple that aren't. But as you said, there's a pros and cons that you have to constantly balance, and I don't think that you're ever going to have a hundred percent ideal in you know your work life, your social life, your love life, everything, your apartment or your house. I don't think you're ever going to have absolutely everything ticked off, and it's about making sure you have the key ones. In your life and, and you make do with, with anything else that comes your way. 
And knowing what the key ones are, that's, I think, a struggle a lot of people go through. And as you said, that can change. So maybe I need to reevaluate when I'm at a different chapter in my life. Um, you know, right now, if I'm single or I'm in a relationship or I want to start a family or maybe there's a relative who needs care, that can influence you. And and I so I love the fact that you're you're flexible and you can be reevaluating that and thinking about what your next move will be. And also that you can change, um, that you're not locked in. And I think the research that I saw showed on average six jobs in your lifetime and three career changes. So you've clearly already had one of your career changes, right? (laughs) I guess so. I'll be looking forward to the next one, I suppose. (laughs) Yeah. So you've got a couple more. So um, this is reassuring to hear again that, um, that you're not locked in. And when you're 18, you do not have to have everything figured out. So Absolutely what was, not. I didn't know anything yeah. when I was 18. So, <laughs> <laughs> And so what would you say was um, the, the biggest thing about transition to the workforce, maybe in your current or previous job, that you were afraid of and it turned out not to be a big deal? You know, this is tough because maybe I was one of the few students that was like this, but I, I really didn't obsess over, you know, what I was going to do after graduation really until my senior spring. I was mm-hmm. not planning ahead. I was not thinking ahead. As I said before, I, I was really just spending those four years trying to soak up as much information about America, about, about the world, about the, the courses I was taking. And so I, um, I, wasn't, I wasn't too stressed, I don't think. Um, and I think that's partly because I knew that I was going to take uh, this volunteering position in New Orleans at least a few months before graduation and so I knew immediately what I was going to do that first step I also knew that that wasn't going to last very long but I had the next stepping stone in place and that that kept me fairly grounded and I wasn't too worried um, but in terms of thinking about entering the workforce I mean I think it's always stressful to want to prove yourself and I always thought right I want to get to wherever I'm going to be and I want to make sure that quickly I'm showing that I'm competent and people don't, you know, think that they have to pick up the slack for me because I want to be a valuable member of whatever team I'm in. Um, and I wasn't necessarily worried that that wouldn't be true. But I think that was one thing that I really wanted um, to make sure that, you know, very quickly I was putting my weight. Um, and I think that, you know, most of the people I graduated with and talking to friends, I think that fairly quickly you realize that you are, you are ready for the workforce. You know, it's, you don't necessarily need a hundred degrees and, uh, you know, all of this decades of experience, but, you know, just being of a certain age or even not necessarily a number on it, just having had some life experience, you can, you can put value into a company or an organization immediately. You know, if, if you know what you're doing and you're organized, your work ethic is there, then, you know, I quickly realized like, yeah, I, I can be valuable and you find where you can be valuable. Um, and I think that was one thing that maybe made me a little bit nervous is that I didn't want my, my new colleagues to think that I was dead weight. Um, but I think that, as I said, it's, it's really just about uh, getting there and showing what you can do. And, and you'll realize quite quickly that, that you can, you know, bring something to the table that potentially hasn't been there in the past or other people might not be able to. 
That's great because we're always, like you said, comparing ourselves. And for you, you didn't actually, which was interesting to me because you said, oh, it was spring and people were getting their offers, you know, probably like in December and you're like in maybe February, March going, yeah, I don't know what I'm going to do yet. And so that's, I think that's good because this, it doesn't help you to stress about it. I mean, some of my students go through the whole summer after, like the May 2020 grads um, that are so nervous right now. And, oh, my gosh, this person got an offer and that person got an offer. And you're your worst critic thinking maybe I won't get one or maybe I won't mm -hmm. be successful. I can't prove myself. All that negative self-talk doesn't do anything for you. And some people over the whole summer – wait and then find their dream job so um, yeah definitely I know yeah. a few stories like that too I'd also add that before my my uh, uh, position in New Orleans started I spent three months at home hanging out with my dad doing nothing it wasn't like I you know I graduated and the next day I was flying down and working on cases in Louisiana I I took some time and you know I didn't I didn't worry and I thought right you know this is a this is a three-month period where Probably maybe the last time in my life I'm just going to be able to be at home and not looking for a job or, you know, not, uh, you know, looking for an apartment or looking for where I'm going to move next. I, I just took that time. And uh, I think that you actually, I found a lot of, a lot of value from just taking time off after studying. Um, and obviously I knew that I had that position lined up later in the summer, but it was, uh, it was actually probably beneficial for me my mental health everything my family to have that time off and so I think there's arguably I'd, I'd actually recommend doing that rather than taking a, a job that's offered straight away because but once you get into the work world you don't get these long summers and you don't get the breaks at, at Christmas and um, there's there's something really nice about taking that slow time before getting on that treadmill so true and if you have the opportunity to negotiate your start date, I'm hearing you say, don't rush. Do it. There's, it's yeah, not a race. Definitely. Like, you know, and if, you're... if they value you and they're giving you a job offer, then if you ask for that to be pushed back a month, you know, they'll probably do it because they want you at that point. It's in your court. They, they want you to come. And if you ask even just for another week, you know, though, unless there's a really strict start date and it's a program where everyone is starting on the same day. But I think once you get a job offer, you should feel pretty good about yourself that they want you. And so they're therefore willing to do whatever is best for their new employee that is you. And so asking for some time, I think, again, they might say no, but it, you don't lose anything from asking. Absolutely. You don't lose anything by sending your resume. I love that whole attitude. And I am going to move to our last question because our time has gone so fast. So okay. this is... Um, time machine into the future. So we're in 2020 now. So we're going to go into the year 2040 now. And Amy Woff is going to talk to the 2020 Amy. What advice would she give you? Oh, man. So I would say, I think you've mentioned the word persistent already, but I, uh, I would hope that, that future Amy is in a position that um, some real perseverance and some hard work and, and sticking to my morals and beliefs has, has got me to. So I would hope that the advice would just be to keep going and, and not to, um, not to waver in, in what matters to you and, and not, uh, you know, not just get sucked into the machine that is capitalist America and remember that 
you can be working in the corporate world, but you know, people are affected by absolutely every job in this world. And to remember that uh, what you do matters and, and if you keep going and you stick to what you feel is right, then hopefully it will pay off. And like, I'm a strong believer that it, that it will pay off. And so I'm hoping that 2040 Amy is making enough money that she can do more for her community and, and, uh, and more for herself and her family. Um, but not just that, I hope that she's uh, happy with how she got to the position she's in by, by sticking to what she cares about and what she thinks is right. So I'm hoping that 2040 Amy would say to me right now, just to, to keep going and believing in myself and, and working as, as, uh, as hard as I currently am. Um, I probably won't be in football in 20 years. If you're right, Marcy, I probably would have pivoted another couple of times, but uh, regardless of what industry, I, I'm hoping that those would be the, the main takeaways is just persistence and, and sticking to, to what I want to bring to this world. You are a wise woman for your years. <laughs> Thank you so much, Amy. No problem. Thanks, Marcy. Appreciate it. The NC State Career Development Center prepares and empowers students to identify and pursue their career goals. Stop by Pullen Hall to learn more. Thank you for listening to Wolfpack Career Chats, and we hope to see you around campus. Have a packtacular day.